If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. You can also find it if you use a Bible app or if you picked up one of the handouts, we have it written at the top of the text. We're continuing in our study of Ruth in the Old Testament. We're going to go through this right through Palm Sunday. And this morning I'm entitling this Courageous Faith. You see, we, like Naomi and Ruth, who we're going to hear in our text this morning, live in anxious times. Amen? Amen? We live in anxious times. For Naomi, she fled a famine. She went to another country and she had loss of life in her family. Not only did she lose her husband, she lost her two son-in-laws. And for Naomi, her husband passed away. We saw all this last week, how difficult life had become for these two women. For us, it's hard as Christians because we live in divided times. If we were united, a lot of things would be easier for us. One of the things that I'm well aware of is week after week after week, I pray that we could unite as a country, we could unite as people, we could learn to listen and talk to each other completely with civil discourse. I believe we do that well around here at Faith Community Church. I'm pleased with how I see people from different perspectives who learn to love and appreciate each other. That's what we need, not only at times like this, but at all times. The ability to realize that our differences are things that God has given to us to help us learn from each other. I talk often about faith, not fear, and this morning I suggest that we can learn what it means to have faith, not fear, or to have a courageous faith, a courageous faith, not a foolish faith, not a faith that says, oh, I'm invincible, but a faith that allows us to not always make the right decision, because there's times when we will live by faith and we will make the best decisions we can, but we will not always get it right, but we'll be okay. We'll be able to trust. We'll be able to be positive in the midst of it. And that's what you're going to see with Naomi and Ruth and our text this morning. What they learned and what we need to learn is to guard our hearts. So much of the problems that we have, not just now with the coronavirus, but always in our life, is the stuff that goes in those six inches between our two ears. So much of the stuff that gets us are the thoughts that we have. We're going to get through this. We get through everything. But in the midst of it, do we guard our hearts? Are we careful on what we listen to and what we allow ourselves to think? Listen to what happened to Naomi when she returns home in verses 19 through 21. We're told the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, isn't this Naomi? Now remember, the woman had been away for at least 10, maybe 15 years. And they were surprised to see her again. And then the women, having said that, Naomi replies, do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord's brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord himself testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? You see, our hearts are deeper than just our thinking. When we talk about guarding our hearts, we talk about the very essence of who we are and how we view life and what we choose to focus on every single day of our life. Naomi was stuck in her own thoughts. And it was negative. Couldn't be more negative than the words we just read. 
She imagined what everybody else was saying. She comes back to her hometown, and now she's got it all screwed up in her minds of how everybody's going to view her, because why did she show up, and why is she back here, and gee, I thought she left us and was going to have a bad, better life, and now here she's back without her husband and only with her daughter-in-law. She was not only imagining what other people were thinking, she was failing to realize what we like to remind high school students all the time. When you think people are thinking stuff about you, Trust me, they aren't. They're thinking about themselves. But see, she was all focused and caught up on how others were talking about her, even when they weren't. So far that she even was convinced that God was against her. Have you ever been there? I know you have. We all have. God, why have you let me down? What have I done wrong? How has this happened to me again? For me, it can be like the little hamster wheel. I, had, I guess it was a gerbil wheel, actually. When I was a little kid, my parents bought me gerbils, and they put a little wheel in there, and I remember thinking, what's that wheel for? And then I'd see those little gerbils get on it and just run and run and run and run, and they wouldn't get anywhere. And that's what happens we don't guard our hearts. We get on that hamster wheel or that gerbil wheel, and it just goes round and round and round, and we don't get anywhere, and we have to be careful about that. That's what had happened to Naomi. She even renamed herself. She said, don't call me Naomi. She got a new name for herself. Call me Mara. Kind of like saying, don't call me Debbie. Call me Debbie Downer. You see, the word Nara, Mara doesn't only mean sad. It means bitter. Just call me bitter. Hear what's happened to this woman? Her thoughts have certainly gone rampant. We need to guard our hearts against fear and against bitterness. And this is one of the hardest things we have to do as Christians. We have a problem when we let others do our thinking for us in a negative way, or we start imagining what other people say, or when we surround ourselves with messages that just bring about fear and, and terror and tear us down. I'm amazed how many times you can have a conversation with someone and you'll, you'll talk about something, and they'll pull out their phone all of a sudden, and they'll just start Googling things, and they'll give you the answer, as if somehow they have some miraculous way of figuring out something that you couldn't have figured out for yourself, and the next thing you find out is it's usually something pretty negative and pretty scary. A lot of times I want to say, let's just set those phones and those devices down, guard our hearts, and be careful who we listen to. It's very easy to get ourselves filled with the wrong ideas. Consider the coronavirus. It seems that there's two extremes that people go to. One is minimizing, which is not helpful. Acting as if there's not a virus or as if, as if what's happening isn't happening. The other is to maximize it and feel as if the sky is completely falling and life is going to end in the next week or so. Living by faith is neither extreme. Guarding our hearts means we receive good information now and at any time in our life, we make wise decisions, and then we move forward with faith. We live our lives, and we live confidently and boldly and live into every single day, and we don't miss what's in front of us in that day. Regina and I have talked about all the times in which we have had some really scary things that we've had to face as a family. The scariest one for us was July 26. 1996, when Regina was 25 weeks pregnant and went into labor. And we literally thought we were going to lose our son, Todd, 
who she was carrying at the time. Somebody said to us, because think of the date, she would have had a miscarriage the next day, which would have been July 27th. After it was all over, somebody came to her and said, because David was born on July 27th, now realize Todd was not due till way in November. Somebody said to her, July 27th is a good day to have a baby, but you don't need to have them all on the same day. <laughs> that was after everything went okay. But at the time, what we did is we guarded our thoughts and our minds and we trusted God. We listened to what the doctors told us and we did exactly what the doctors told us. Regina spent three and a half months on the couch. She took a medicine called Tribunaline. She had a monitor and every single thing we were asked to do, we did. She was told not to get up and walk around. She didn't get up and walk around. She just did what she was asked to do. And then we lived boldly and confidently every single day and knew that God was with us until eventually a safe, healthy child who's now 23 years old was born. Naomi had to learn to guard her hearts. She had some bad thoughts and she needed to learn to deal with them. She returned home and lived a new way and guess what? She didn't live as Mara. She learned to live as Naomi and she learned to live with God's blessing. And that's because the second thing, if we're going to have courageous faith, we need to change with courageous faith. We all need to change in our lives. Every single day, God has stuff in your life and my life that we need to learn to change. We are not where we need to be, ever. We're never perfect. We're not perfect as a nation. We're not perfect as a church. We're not perfect as a state. We're not perfect as a town. We're not perfect as marriages or families. We need to accept that and acknowledge that and realize that God is constantly bringing about change. The problem is what? We don't like change. But we always need to be willing to let God bring about change in our life. I love verses 22 and 23 when we're told Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem. That was a change. If you see this picture up here, these are two people walking the journey that Naomi and Ruth would have taken. About a 10-day journey. It would not have been easy. When it said she returned home, that meant she did some difficult work. I'm fond of saying if you walk into the woods 20 miles, you need to turn and walk out 20 miles. That's what it means to courageously change. The word that's used here is a Hebrew word, shavut. In the Greek, it becomes metanao. It means turn around and go in a new direction. Naomi literally turned around and went in a new direction. They were living in Moab, and one day she said, I'm not going to live here anymore. I need to do something else. She turned around and she went in a new direction, and she didn't think either of her daughter-in-laws should go with her, but Ruth said, no, I'm going with you also. And Ruth also stopped where she was living and what she was doing and realizing God wanted me to do something new. There was a new expression, something new happening in my life. And so she likewise turned and went in a new direction. This is hard for us when we become afraid to change. But God often does his greatest work in our life when you and I have the courage to change. That's what courageous faith means. What new thing am I learning? What new thing is God doing in my life? It's so fascinating to be in the midst of something that has people terrified about a respiratory disease when I live with a wife who has respiratory issues. 
has serious respiratory issues and has been telling me for years, you know, Stan, America needs to make some changes on how we practice public hygiene. People walking into restrooms and thinking they don't have to wash their hands puts people like my wife always at risk. People thinking that they can just walk up and hug her no matter what when they're coughing because they think it's the right thing to do. She's had to literally pull people aside and educate them and say, you know, that's not healthy for some of us. Now all of a sudden as a country and as a world, we're being educated about what is proper and safe health in a world in which people travel all over the place and does all kinds of germs and infections. The question is, are we not just going to get through this? We're going to get through this. Folks, we're going to get through this time. But do we have the courage to make real changes? Real changes. Real changes in which we can say, let's draw together and start addressing big issues and issues in our family and being willing to make the changes we need to make. Because being in denial and sticking our heads in the sand all the time is not how we should live. But when we live by faith, we ask ourselves, and I ask you, not just globally and not just with this, how about in your life? What needs to change? What needs to change? What needs to change with your health? What needs to change in your relationships? What needs to change in how you love someone else or care for someone else or accept someone else or, or make a change that God has been urging you to do all along Use today and every day as an opportunity to say, God, I need to learn to be more like Naomi and Ruth. And when you call me to make a change or make an adjustment or go some new place or take a bold step, I need to have the courage to do it. Yes, for Naomi, this meant going back. And for Ruth, it meant going somewhere new. Do you hear that? That's fascinating. Sometimes the change is going back and facing something that we didn't face before and now we need to face it. Some of us, it's going back. But for some of us, it's sometimes it's going to someplace new. They both did the same thing, but it meant the exact opposite for each of them. Winston Churchill has always been one of my heroes. And I love to read the things he said and wrote, especially at the time when London was being bombed and a nation was terrified of course, I think one time he said something like, bomb us every day for 40 years and London's still going to be here. Somebody summarized Winston Churchill's life and they summarized it with these words. Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. Fear is a reaction. Just being terrified. Oh no, the sky's falling. Courage is having faith and making wise decisions and boldly and courageously making the best decisions we can in every situation, being willing to change and go in the new direction God wants us to go. Life's always been about being wise and having a courageous faith. We have before and after moments in our life. The question is, do we let them be before and after moments in our life? Having worked as much as I have with people in recovery, People will go to just a horrible place. Just Their lives will completely fall apart. Our prayer is that it becomes a before and after moment in their life where they courageously at that moment say, I am going to make the changes I need to make and do something different and go in a new direction. When that happens, it's amazing. We tell people, dream your biggest dream, think your greatest thought. You can't imagine how great God's going to be in your life because if you have the courage to genuinely change and do what God wants you to do, your life will be so much better than you can imagine because that's how God works in our life 
Courage means courage to change. If I know anything this morning, Naomi and Ruth went around a massive change. And every day in our life, when we face something that scares us or something that tells us that we can't believe we're here, we always need to do that personal reflection on, okay, God, what do I need to learn through this? What changes do I need to make? What do I need to do? Maybe I need to realize that I'm too fearful and anxious and I need to quit hoarding 75 boxes of toilet paper and thinking that somehow that's going to make the world a better place. Maybe it means that I don't need to buy every jar of hand sanitizer so nobody else has any. Maybe it means I need to learn to be more sensitive towards others and think of how not only am I going through something tough, but others are going through things tough, and how can I be loving and compassionate and caring towards others? Courage to change. And then the last thing, if we're going to have a courageous faith, we need to always look for God's blessing. What do you focus on? What do you focus on? When we're talking about the time when we almost lost our second son, what did we focus on? We focused on our love for each other. We focused on our love for as a family. We focused on our little kid who was now in second grade and anticipating a birth of a little brother. We focused on things that were good and things that were positive. And that's what God asks us to do. Chapter 2, verse 1. I love this text. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. God's provision had already begun for both Naomi and Ruth because there was there, back in Bethlehem, a man named Boaz who was in the Hebrew not a relative. It's fascinating. It always gets translated relative, but the Hebrew word actually means friend. We find out later that they were relatives, but it was a friend. She returns home, and she's been gone for a long time, and there happens to be a friend there. Why is that important? Because at that moment, when Naomi saw Boaz, her entire perspective on life changed. She realized God was faithful. A buddy was there. A friend was there. A person to help her and to encourage her. God always provides friends for us. God always provides people for you and me, even in the darkest moments of our life, that if we have our eyes open, we'll see that they're there. They're God's blessing to get us through. A number of years ago, before David and Laura were married, we were driving out to Ohio, and a car broke down. And that can be a kind of scary thing. You're going across a New York turnpike, and a car, our car just stopped. We're sitting by the side of the road, and we wait, and a tow truck comes and picks us up. We like to call him the tow truck guy from Rochester because we're right near Rochester, New York. We immediately saw God's blessing. That guy for that day became our friend. Instead of just taking us and dropping us off somewhere or taking the car somewhere and say, go fend for yourself, he said, how can I help you and how can I get you through? He made sure that we got a rental car. He got us to a hotel. He spent as much time with us. I can't imagine what his tow truck company thought of him afterwards. But we were so impressed with how well he just treated us. He also made sure that we got the car to a body shop, I mean to a, to a 
a repair shop that afterwards, when we came back, we got a rental car, we ended up with our trip to Ohio, he navigated all this, we were riding around this tow truck the whole time, navigates all of this for us. When we got back and got our rental car, continued our trip out to Ohio, spent our time to Ohio, came back, picked up our car, brought it back to Massachusetts, I told my mechanic here what happened, I told him how much we paid, and he said, that guy was really a friend of yours, they did that work cheaper than we could have done it here. He told me what he would have charged, and we discovered that our guy had treated us so well and got us to someone else who treated us so fairly that we paid less money for our car to be fixed and our rental car than had we just had our car fixed in Plymouth. What do we look for, the negative or the positive? Oh my goodness, how does God let our car break down in the middle of New York? Or wow, right in the middle of New York, there's a buddy. Someone who watched out for us, someone who we trusted and we listened to. That's what God was doing with Naomi and Ruth. My mom was on the worst day that she ever had at Miriam Hospital in Rhode Island. I cannot tell you how horrible that day was. Everything went wrong. My mom's health was horrible. I didn't think she was going to make it. I remember crying and talking to the doctor, and he came and comforted me and said, we'll get through it. And in the midst of it all, there was this guy who sat at a, a desk called the concierge, and he just kept helping us. He just became our buddy. He just became our friend. And all day long, every time I needed something, I'd go back to him, and he would guide us and help us through this horrible experience. When the day was over and my mom got moved to a nursing home and we were feeling okay, I went up to him and I said, I would like to tell your supervisor how much of a blessing you've been in my life. And he smiled and he said, oh, I'm a missionary. There's nobody for you to tell. I just do this as a gift. God provides grace. Look for his blessing. If we constantly focus on the negative and the fear and the things that are problems, we fail to see what God is doing. Courageous faith doesn't mean that we all make the same decision. Naomi returned home. Ruth went somewhere new. But let's all make our best decisions. Let's all live the best lives we can today. Let's live it courageously with faith. Let's be obedient to the things that we're told to do. And let's constantly be looking for God's blessings because they're all around us. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to hear how we are not unique. For people have faced difficulties in the past and they'll face them again in the future. And we think of Ruth and Naomi who have not only faced hardship and pain in our story, but they faced a famine and they saw people that they love pass away. And yet through it all, when their hearts went to negativity, you corrected them and gave them a course to get back on target and see the blessings you were doing. Help us to have that same focus today and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.